0: That means it's Monday and it's time for DLC, your downloadable commentary for the week. DLC delivered the way it's meant to be, completely free. And that's thanks to our sponsor this week, Linda. Oh, Linda, they made that possible, bringing DLC to you. DLC, the show about gaming in its many forms, games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, and also games that involve dice, luck, and cardboard. Oh, you didn't think I'd forget... Our geeks and sneaks out there. Are you one of them? Are you using this show to fuel your workout or your run? We're there for you. We got an hour and a half of gaming goodness, and I am your host, Jeff 2N's 1T Canada. I'm joined, as always, by my friend slash co-host slash nemesis, the guy who must witness me! Witness me as I march with my ancestors through the gates of Valhalla!
1: Mr. Christian Spicer. I just had a nip slip during that cutscene. I apologize.
0: Did you, uh, did you see the Mad Max, Christian?
1: I did not. I have not seen see the anything. Mad Max because I have a nine day old kid that makes yeah. it hard, but I want to. I want to. I mean, I'm, I found time for Pitch Perfect too, but just haven't got time to find time for Mad Max yet.
0: I'm pretty sure there was somebody in my screening of Mad Max who had a nine day old child in there with them because uh, <laughs> that's what people bring to rated R movies nowadays. Anyway, it is a very good. It is very good, and I want witness me to catch on as a catchphrase. Uh, But we are not talking movies. No, we are talking video games. And people always ask me, what does DLC stand for? Well, obviously, it's your downloadable Kanata. It's your downloadable Christian. But this week, we are super amped because DLC stands for devising live comedy. Because we have writer, director, producer, comedian from UCB in New York and numerous web shows. Mr. J.D. Amato.
2: Welcome, J.D. Hey, guys. How's it going? How's
0: it going? It is going very well. It is going very well. We have, uh, you know, the weeks leading up to E3, you think, um, I bet the news will slow down because people want to break stuff at E3. Not
2: the case. We got tons of news this week. It's a, it's a big one. Yeah, this is a big week. Things are pouring in left and right. Um,
1: yeah, it's cool. almost as if
2: uh, E3 is, fi- is upon us. Yeah, well, I'm
0: excited to talk about it. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, it's the Story of the Week. Story of the Week, of course, the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. Lots to choose from, as we were talking about. JD, as our guest, you get first pick of stories. So what would you consider to be your Story of the Week this week?
2: Well, the story of the week that I actually got the most uh, people telling me about and sending me links to was the Oculus hardware requirements being released. Mm. Um, I know working in TV and stuff like that, especially in the the interactive side of things, there's all these talks and conversations now about, all right, great. Now we have to start creating content for interactive mediums, right? So um, VR, things like that. Anytime there's a new platform, the conversation always becomes, all right, how do we put comedy? How do we put content into this. So anything that has to do with Oculus, I end up getting a thousand links about. And Oculus, um, after now releasing what was their um, theoretical launch date, and I say theoretical because I'll I'll believe it when I see it, Um, (laughs) they have now released the hardware requirements for the Oculus. And it has been met online um, with a lot of excitement, but also a lot of skepticism because the... Big underline of the whole thing is the hardware requirements are pretty extensive. Um, yeah. Uh, well, basically, like what it all boiled down to, it's um, I think the line that aside from all the tech specs which we can get into, but the big thing that for people that aren't sort of tech minded, they can sort of take on is it's three times the amount that it takes to render normal 1080p rendered content. Which, um, if you think of how how powerful boxes, consoles, etc. need to be to render really high quality 1080p, 1080p content. 3 times that is what they're saying is the recommended, which I sort of read as minimum requirements for the Oculus to even sort of start working.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's pretty intense what they're asking for. They're saying uh Nvidia GTX 970 or AMD 290 equivalents Um they're saying Intel i5 4890 or greater, 8 gigs of RAM. So we've talked ad nauseum for weeks and weeks and weeks about what the price point is going to be of the Oculus. Oh, my gosh. Can they make it cheap enough that it will be this mass market device? It kind of doesn't matter anymore. (laughs) It kind of doesn't matter if it's an inexpensive device because like I think that I read 2% of Steam users would have the systems that that they're recommending at this point. So – I'm of two minds about this. I, I definitely feel like it's worrisome that such a small portion of the market is even able to to use this thing right now. But the other part of me, the part of me that loves the newest and latest and best and gets excited about the new whiz-bang, top-of-the-line stuff, I love the fact that these guys are like, no, we're making a Ferrari. We're making a – this. at least the first version of this thing is for people who are serious business. Um, what,
2: what, what's your take, JD? Are you How do you feel about it? You know, I think it's interesting because the big question that has sort of started spiraling around Oculus, uh, it ends up being about, all right, how is this going to be a big mass market product? How are we going to get this in every household? How is this going to be something where um, people can come over to your house, you go to other people's houses, and we all have Oculus? Um, looking at these tech specs, uh, there was something interesting in uh, one of the articles I was reading about it where they said... Um, the HD, HDMI video output, and I believe one other requirement they had, there's actually no even sort of consumer-friendly way for you to know whether your laptop or computer has that possible hookup. It was There was something where there's a small detail that helps Oculus that they were like, well, it's not really something you would know about your computers. So we're trying to figure out a list of, to tell you which ones have it, which ones don't, which to me it just means at the end of the day right now the, the specs for Oculus are are not geared towards a mass market consumer product. So the question for me becomes, are we going to see Oculus become something that they want to see in every household? Or is VR and the idea of virtual reality gaming something that's going to be more geared towards um, event and location-specific places? Um, You know, back I remember back in the day, um, old, old versions of virtual reality, right? It was a place where you went to and you engaged in it. And there's a party David was *Buster's*. Won- exactly, you know, they, yeah. you'd always you'd go to those arcades, and for me, it was you'd walk by the arcade, and I would always go, "Well, that's something I can never do because it costs, you know, <laughs> it costs five ten bucks for yeah, two minutes, five, yeah, exactly." And it was like I always imagined that that was like some um, the people that were doing that were like professional video game players, right? I always imagined <laughs> like that's not for me. I'm allowed to play these games. This is for professionals and adults only. Um, well, so the interesting part-
0: quote from Oculus is. It even goes farther than that. They say almost no current laptops have the GPU performance for the recommended spec. So they're hoping that upcoming mobile
2: GPUs will work. But if, if you are a, a gamer who games on a laptop, you're SOL right now. Exactly. And, you know, there's also all the issues that come with Oculus and come with virtual reality gaming, which are, you know, um, what is it called? The, the 360, the sort of 360 treadmill, um, all of those oh, things yeah. that... All these little add-ons that say, well, this is how you actually make it something interactive. Oh, well, you actually you have to have a room that's 20 feet by 20 feet in order to play this thing. Or if you want to interact physically, it has to match up with the things that are in the virtual reality. To me, the more and more we start describing what we want out of virtual reality, it seems less like a consumer product that you have in your home and more like this thing that we're building like a holodeck or something where, um, like laser tag, where you go with your friends to play this or it's a place that um, is built to address all of these things that are basically cornering it away from being a consumer product. And I wonder if that's a bad thing. I think that's not the dream of VR, but I wonder if that's a way to solve a lot of these problems Is say, great, put a company in charge of making sure the experience is everything it needs to be because right now it's out of the reach of consumers.
1: I don't know if I agree 100%, JD. I think it's just you know us older people. Now, when we were kids, we all had the trampoline room in our house with padded walls and trampoline floors. <laughs> And now that we get older, we just convert that into our virtual virtual reality room, and I don't see what the issue is.
2: Yeah, well, right. Uh, Christian's last name, if people don't know, people think it's Spicer, but it's Rich. It was uh, Ricky Rich's <laughs> bro- brother was Christian Rich.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you – so you talked about, you know, you're – TV stuff, people saying, oh, integrating user experiences or virtual reality. I mean, so the thing I know you did recently that's out that people can see is, you know, you worked on the Justin Willman special and he's a magician and a comedian. I mean, was there stuff even for that, trying to integrate interactive type gaming type experiences into what a magician does as comedy, or was it just even too, too much in its infancy for you guys to even consider that kind of stuff there?
2: I would be willing to make the bet that in any writer's room for any show right now, the word Oculus or virtual reality comes up almost necessarily. Um, I feel like the fact that this is such a new horizon means that every show is trying to integrate it somehow. And yeah, for that show, that, that magic show, like, we had maybe like a whole two days where we were brainstorming ways to integrate Oculus or any other VR technology into, all right, how can we do a trick with this? Okay, how can we do comedy with this? Um, right now I'm working on the Chris Gethard show, which is a show that sort of a bunch of us sort of put together and we're trying to come up with ideas for things. And, um, we have one episode we're thinking about where we might want to circle it around video games perhaps. And the, you know, we spent maybe three or four hours talking about, okay, how do we integrate virtual reality into this? Oculus, that's the next thing. So I feel like it's definitely in the zeitgeist and it's definitely people are trying to integrate stuff with, but, um, I don't think anyone knows what it is yet. Um, and that's the hard thing about it. Uh, I think we've... We've all had that, you know, we all see the videos of the roller coaster and it feels like the the screensaver demos of what Oculus is. But how do we really want to interact with this? How do we want to integrate this into our interactive experiences? That's the big question for me.
1: And that's what I think is interesting, right? Because it is, you know, on the, the zeitgeist and, and Kanata certainly loves it and, is, and everybody that tries it on and played the EVE demo last year at E3 was a converted fan and TV writers' rooms were talking about it. But I just wonder if I always call her Sue in Nebraska, no offense to any real Sues in Nebraska, but, like, is this just L.A. or New York or tech people being, you know, trying to champion something that's not a real thing? Like, live on Periscope is kind of another thing right now. Like, every comedian is on Periscope doing something, but it's just who really cares in terms of mainstream uses. So here are the people trying to make a game exclusively for Oculus when I think it was Space Bob in the chat said, you know, 50% of steam users are on an integrated graphics chip. So of course they can't run Oculus. And I just wonder if we're just wasting time when all people really want is the Witcher to run at 60 frames per second on consoles.
2: Exactly. Now, Jeff, you're really excited about Oculus, right? I am. I am.
0: I I think, as I said, part of me loves this news uh, because it's a lack of compromise that I find to be really exciting. Um, I don't mean to be elitist about it, but I love the fact that they're not trying to play to the lowest common no- dominator and create an experience that isn't super impressive. If you want this technology to take hold, it has to be super immersive and really high fidelity and cool. And if people can't use it, unless it actually delivers that, I think that might be a better thing in the long run for the technology taking hold. Now, <clears throat> You guys brought up a bunch of stuff and I have several thoughts. One of one of which is a bunch of people this week sent me uh, stories about I think it's called The Void. Did you guys see this thing? Uh, yes, JD I've you talked seen about this. Yeah, you talked about the sort of the D- Dave and Buster's version of VR. Uh, evidently there's some company that is creating a a room or a warehouse or a series of rooms That will mix VR tech with, you know, you actually hold weapons and you walk through a a voluminous space that has practical uh, sensory inputs to you so you're getting sprayed in the face with things you're walking up you see you know you see jets shooting steam out of them in your vr and there's actually you know a fog machine shooting steam out so your hands feel it your face feels it you have a sense of that environment and you're actually physically walking through a space you walk up to a control panel and you touch it it's just a you know a piece of glass on the wall that's not actually showing anything everything's being projected through your vr goggles super cool idea i can't wait to try that I love that, but that's not what I want out of these devices, right? I want these devices to be a new way of gaming in my home by myself in front of my computer. I'm, I'm very excited for that. I will pay. I mean, I have, I think I have a computer that can handle this, but you definitely have a computer that can I mean, handle this. You're saying I don't need to get a new computer, Christian, because I kind of think I should still get a new computer. I don't you definitely know, just, should, maybe have maybe then I should. I'll, I'll buy
1: your old one from you for $500. <laughs> um.
0: No, I mean, I, I I, like being on the cutting edge. I like, I like the idea that these games are going to push my computer hard. I want that. But it leads me to question several things. One, if a mobile computer can't do this, what chance does something like HoloLens have to compete uh, if it's a self-contained computer? Um, that's one. Two, <clears throat> what... How does this compare to Morpheus, right? Or or these systems that use uh, the consoles that are already out that already aren't as beefy as some of these computer specs that they're asking for. So does it mean that Oculus is at this point aiming for a a benchmark that's even higher than some of its competitors, which is a very exciting prospect to me. I think we're going to have a whole range of experiences, and yeah, Maybe Morpheus is the more accessible choice. Maybe there, or HoloLens is the more accessible choice for people that want a an, a VR experience where they don't have to worry about what their specs are. They don't have to buy an expensive PC. They can just plug it into the console that they've already purchased.
2: Yeah, I also Thoughts? wonder too, I, I think that's a really interesting thought because um, the question becomes, number one, I, I always I wonder if the question is between is VR going to take off or is it not going to take off? Or is it is the question about whether which VR thing is going to happen, right? Because there's a part of me that wonders, I, I agree with your thought that Oculus having the high tech specs, it basically says, we refuse to give you a subpar experience, um, mm-hmm. which is a huge, huge, great thing. But the problem is, if, if that becomes a competition of who can have something that's more... Um, public mass, something that appeals to more people, but the specs are slightly lower on it, is it going to create a negative experience that then people sort of discount uh, all of VR? Like, remember when um, 3D movies sort of started coming back, and the only thing people had to relate it to was the red and blue glasses, where it was like, no, that was a, that was not a fun experience, so right. we shouldn't be doing 3D at all. And then now sort of, once people sort of get into it, and so once it was sort of forced down people's throats, everyone went, okay, we can sort of cope with this. We can deal with this. We like it in certain situations. We don't like it in other situations. I wonder if things like Morpheus or the other VR products, if their quality standards aren't as high as Oculus, is that going to taint the pool for all of VR? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. And I think if you look at it, my
0: hopeful idealistic view says, hey, Facebook purchased this. Facebook has all the money. They say they're in this for the long haul. They don't need to create a product that sells gangbusters right away, but they do need to create a product that is proof of concept of this tech is worthwhile. So if they come at it from, hey, we don't need to sell a bajillion-D of these right away, but we do need to show people that this experience is staggering and the next big thing. Then from that perspective, I think this is kind of an awesome choice to say, hey, this is for a small portion of people right now. At a certain point, we're going to get to the place where this is a much more uh, affordable option as far as the, the power that's, that's needed to drive it. But for now, this is for the people who are really hardcore about it. And those people are going to evangelize it because it's going to be a really awesome experience. And I'm for that. I think that's a good thing.
1: Christian. But why does it Why does it need to come out now? I feel like to some extent. Because I want for- it. I want it. I want it on my eyeballs. That's the Tesla that goes 50 miles versus 200 where it's like, we can do this thing. It's not great yet. No, no, no.
0: That's, that's the wrong analogy. It's a Tesla that costs $200,000. It's, it's not, it's, it, it, it it can go as far as you want it to go. It's actually what it does is the awesome stuff. It's just super pricey and it's not going to be for everybody. So you made the wrong analogy there because it, it, what they're saying is we want to make the Tesla that does go 100 miles. We want to make the Tesla that's actually useful and awesome and that people go, holy crap, this thing is awesome, but we're not going to do it for cheap.
1: Fair point. I, I, I see that. I don't still – yes, you are correct. My analogy was poor. I, uh, I also, though, don't think that the current Oculus is what people want. I I mean – it is for right now because it's pushing the hardware but 5 years from now i don't picture 5 year older jeff kanata so congratulations on turning 21 i don't see 21 <laughs> year old jeff kanata being happy with a 5 year old oculus you would want it to be in the titan you know 14 chip minimum requirement or whatever i think that's the problem that uh, enthusiasts are going to have with vr going forward is that when my iphone 7 or whatever we're on 8 can finally support these minimum specs for an Oculus, people that want the Oculus aren't going to be satisfied with those minimum specs because you're not still playing your N64.
0: But th- but that's, that's – I-, I disagree there as well because that's the difference between a HoloLens and an Oculus. If the Oculus is decoupled from the hardware that runs the game, then the Oculus is just giving you a display that requires a beefy computer. The computers can continue to get beefier and beefier, and you can still use the same display. It's like I'm not going to get a new monitor every time I get a new computer. I don't need to. The monitor is still awesome, but the computer needs to be more powerful. But with a HoloLens – 5 years later, yeah, I'm going to need a new HoloLens lens no, because that, that, it it has a processor in it that's is what it
1: needs. No, that's not right though because Oculus is saying that your computer needs to have these minimum requirements right now to run this thing. To shoot to have... out
0: double 1080p displays. Right.
1: right. So and it's so not that's... it's
0: not like the device itself, you know, it ha- has it is going to be dated. It, it you can still create better and better stuff on better and better hardware. Correct. You just need it
1: Correct. But what I'm saying is the iPhone version or, you know, the iPhone that hooks up to the same Oculus will still be displaying current gen, quote unquote, graphics. And I think you're going to want to be pushing that thing. And then so people will be saying, you know, I want this. I want this. I want this. And the user, the average, you know, Sue in Nebraska user isn't going to. I don't think this thing becomes the $99 PlayStation 1 is what I'm saying and becomes ubiquitous with everybody using it and getting this experience with it even when it the you know minimum requirements become affordable. It's just never going to be that thing because the people that are championing it are always going to want something bigger and better and awesomer driving it. So when Oculus 4 comes out and requires beefier hardware because it has a 4K screen or a wraparound screen or integrated motion control in some way that's what i'm saying like this thing yeah yeah can monitor i, can and I pre-order monitor. that
0: are you are you taking pre-orders on that yet christian because i'll <laughs> i'll give you I'll, I'll
2: pre-order it if you want <laughs> thank you for
1: I, making a joke and proving my point while making a joke.
2: <laughs> well i i think it's i think it's not too dissimilar and this is a dumb statement because it's literally what it's tied to but it's not too dissimilar from pc gaming right where you can always keep increasing the power of your set like whatever whatever your pc is and it's just a matter of where you want your mark to fall, and you can pretty much any day of the week be upgrading something new. Um, so I think it, it, it is going to be very tied closely to sort of how PC gamers um, like to develop um, their setup, as opposed to something like the HoloLens we are talking about, where that is like a PS1, where it's like, yep, you buy it, you have the thing, eventually it gets old, you see the new thing, you have to get the new one. So to me, it, to me, it is almost, I almost feel like it's just another element of your PC gaming rig, um, yeah. that you have to upgrade as it upgrades. And if you want that cutting-edge experience, you're going to keep getting the cutting-edge hardware to support that. And if you're happy with whatever the experience is at X, Y, or Z point in time, you're going to settle with that. But I do think it's not going to be like some. My guess is it's not going to be something that Sue in Nebraska is going to buy their kid for $99 because Sue in Nebraska will go to the store and they'll say, you know, you need uh, an NVIDIA GTX 970 or an AMD 9- 290 equivalent. And they'll go, okay, where's the Nintendo? <laughs> <laughs> um, so SG8 in the
0: chat room says it's annoying to hear us talk about VR so much. Uh, I disagree. I don't know if that's just one snarky person in the, in the chat uh, voicing complaint. Uh, you know, no, Jeff. Complaint.
1: Jeff his but, problem with it is it's annoying to hear because he wants to experience it through VR. Yeah.
0: Well, I think this, all... is, this, is, this is what E3 is going to be, guys. I, I really think it's going to be the year of VR. There's going to be a lot of awesome games, too, that aren't VR, but I just I don't understand how anybody could not be thrilled and
2: not want to talk this to death. But we can move on. I also just uh, want to say I personally don't like SG-8. So oh, like that, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. And, you know, That's it touche. balances itself
0: out there. Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's no. gotten a little tiresome, right? Have we, it's <laughs> l- all this
2: SG-8 talk has really gotten... Way too, way too. We spend time. so much time talking about SG8, it's like, come
1: on. Wait, <laughs> SG, Sue, Graham, 8, 8, Nebraska was the 8th State of the Union. It oh, you put it
0: together. You put it together. Uh, uh,
1: Nebraska, Christian, what is state? your
0: story of the week?
1: So, there's good stuff this week, but I have to toot my own predictive horn. Um, you had hoped it wasn't going to happen, Mr. Canada. when last week we talked about the division adding... when it became again another ubisoft voltron joint with all of their powers combined they created captain planet voltron uh constructagons whatever your multi-team robots getting together analogy you want to make but yep the division has been officially delayed to 2016 more interesting though i think is that there are already two one rainbow six siege and one currently unannounced triple a game are also set, according to Ubisoft's uh, investment call, to launch in that same launch window. So one, the division officially delayed. I think that's good because, holy crap, hopefully that game lives up to its promise. Two, when is Ubisoft going to quit lying? There's no way they're launching three AAA games in the same period. Well, this will be the third year of the division being shown at E3, right? I mean, come on.
0: Uh, Well, I think Rainbow Six Siege is saying Q3... 2016 and division q4 so so q3 2016 because these designations are odd actually means fall of this year so um that's interesting yeah i mean i, I don't think i think we all sort of thought that hey if you just announced a new group coming into work on a, a game doesn't bode well for it coming out this year uh so uh, yeah I, I think you're right it, it didn't surprise us that division it's a bummer uh, but yes, we all are in favor of games being done before they're released. Um, are we still excited about Rainbow Six Siege? Long time we haven't heard anything about that game. And B, what do you think that uh, new AAA game is? Do you think it's a a new sequel or do you think it's a new IP? What do you think, JD?
2: Uh, my feeling on all this stuff is that you know ultimately this all comes into sort of the corporate politics of having a massive company and having to fund these huge projects and. Since they're going to take a long time to do, you need to announce them much earlier than you even know when their definite timeline is going to be. Just that you can keep, uh, you know, whether there's investors or whether it's just the corporation itself, keep people feeling like, all right, this has an audience, this has people talking about it, this is stepping it out. But at a certain point, it becomes, um, it it feels ridiculous talking about these games that had now have been three, four years out of being announced. And uh, as we talked about like Oculus and VR and all this stuff, sorry, SGE, I mentioned it again. Um, as it all keeps talking, you don't know where gaming is going to be at a certain point. Um, and the fact is gaming doesn't change in the quickest strokes, but when it does change, it changes in really interesting ways. And so there's a part of me that feels like these games that have been in the works for this long, um, are they going to be able to be relevant or does this constant cycle of things sort of getting reassigned and reassembled and connecting with other stuff and then up, oh, it's going to be delayed much more. Are these games that are more reflective of five years ago or 10 years ago when they're originally imagined? Um, so I, I never hold my breath for any of them and my similar to sort of where the film industry now is my hope is always that if there's another triple a game that's coming out, I would love it for, for it to be something new. I love it to be something, um, that people can get on from the beginning because I I don't know about you guys, but I'm the type of person where if I've missed the boat on the, you know, the first few versions of a game, um, I don't feel totally comfortable jumping in on the newest version. Uh, if I haven't been along for the ride, like I'm not going to see Indiana Jones, the kingdom of the crystal skull if I haven't seen the original Indiana Jones. And so there are certain things that have gotten so, so tied to these properties that have existed for so long that I, I even wonder, um, if they do themselves any favors by continuing these forward. So I would love the new AAA title to be something new, but there's no way all three of them are going to come out in the same year. Something's going to get pushed back, and my guess is it will be the, the quote-unquote new AAA title that is yet to be announced. Yeah, I think it's a
0: safe bet that that's Watch Dogs 2. Um, exactly. I don't want it to be Watch Dogs 2. I agree with you. I'd much prefer a, a new IP also. I think the best possible... Version of how this goes down is hey, this is a new AAA game that we haven't talked about up until right now when we're almost done with it and it's coming out this year because we're almost done with it and we decided to not do the mistakes that we've done over and over again, which is talk about something three years before it's done. Uh, let's we actually learned from that and look, look, we we have kept our big yappers shut about this game and now it's coming out soon. Hey.
2: That's what I want to have happen. It's not going to, but that's what I want to have happen. Yeah, but see they want you to keep wanting that to happen. That's you know it's the <laughs> it's the it's the life version of microtransactions. Just that little that little pep of excitement of maybe this good thing will happen that keeps you believing and believing. Hey, chat
0: room, uh, you guys are ornery today. There's a lot of unrest. I know you guys are, are. everybody's clamoring for Witcher 3 talk. I will be talking about Witcher 3 in the playlist. We're, we're talking news right now, so be patient. Uh, be patient. It's coming. Uh, I'm going to tell you my story of the week. Uh, Witcher and 4 Witcher is coming, 3. you guys.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Same joke, different um. number.
0: Actually surprising no one this you know everybody can send us stories for story of the week by using our hashtag uh, DLCsotw on Twitter or by visiting our subreddit at 5x5dlc.reddit.com and I got numerous people uh, including the cunning one a dog 918 doc h farror which is a really cool name uh, <laughs> everybody was sending me the story about Divinity Original Sin Enhanced Edition announced it is indeed my story of the week because Divinity Original Sin was my game of the year last year and uh, I'm super excited that it's coming out for consoles it's coming out for PS4 and Xbox 1 but also this enhanced edition will be coming out for PC and it'll they say it's going to be um, redesigned to work on a controller which is kind of a cool idea this is a turn-based role-playing top-down turn-based role-playing game so uh, I don't have I don't see any problems with it working on a controller at all since, you know, it doesn't even, it doesn't require fast reflexes in any set, uh, situation. Uh, but also hours of new content, new quests, new combat styles, new locations, new voiceover work, uh, lots of stuff. Evidently the success of Divinity Original Sin allowed them to bring it in a much more robust version to consoles and to the PC coming out next year or maybe at the end of this year. I don't think we see a, uh, actual release date here. But um, I'm thrilled because hopefully more people will play this gem of a game. Um, JD, did you ever try Divinity Original Sin?
2: I never played Divinity Original Sin and this might be something that would convince me to get back in there and give it a try. Because um, like yeah. I was saying, sometimes I feel like once you miss the boat, you sort of miss the boat. Um, and I, I like when they... Enhanced additions to me is something where I can get back on board. If, 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 I'm, if I'm told, great, you can jump in, get the best version of this that's ever been, and it sort of becomes new again. I, I'll jump right back in. Um, so I never got to play it, but this feels like a good excuse to maybe try it out.
0: One of the best things about Divinity uh, was that it was a inexpensive game. I think it was 40 bucks when they released it. It'll be interesting to see if they keep that lower price point when it comes out on consoles. I hope they do. I hope they can. Um, I know that there are different economic realities when you're putting out a boxed console game and you're giving part of your money to Microsoft or Sony but um it would be great is it if this game was still uh, accessible for that number of people at a lower price point so i have high hopes and that's why that was my story of the week real real um,
1: quick the the reddit link it's just 5x5dlc.reddit.com there is no what did dot. i say you say 5x5.dlc that. that's a different one so it's just 5x5dlc.reddit.com Oops. It's okay.
2: Sometimes I say things and I don't know. I don't know. Um, SG8's telling me if I miss a game to let it sail away, not to worry and to let it go. Ugh, more SG8 talk. That's all S- we ever talk about, guys. SGA is what this episode's about. <laughs> S- SG8,
1: he's my dude. Well, I got a show title already SG Great. <laughs> please, uh, please, please, all right, guys. No. Please, know SG8 that we are kidding only out of pure hatred.
2: No, I, SG-8, I've turned on you. I'm a big fan. <laughs> I can't wait until the virtual
0: reality SG-8 game comes out where you can play as SG-8. That's gonna. Be I a just good.
1: like thinking that it's Chris somehow trolling you. He decided to stop what he was doing, JD, and just join the live chat and just uh, troll you the whole episode.
2: Yeah, because what Chris needs is me talking about video games more in his life, for sure.
1: <laughs> I figured as much.
2: All right, so in a moment,
0: we are officially going to get onto the uh, the, uh, E3 hype train. But first, friends, we need to thank our sponsor, and that sponsor is Linda. Oh, you know Linda. Linda is a great place to go if you want to learn something. I am a person who advocates learning something new every day. I think learning is, is probably my favorite activity in the world. And Lynda is a great way to, place to go to learn something new. You can learn practical life skills. You can learn career advancement skills. You can learn uh, bow skills and nunchaku. I don't know. I haven't searched for those, potentially. But uh, the cool thing is Lynda is this online learning platform. They have over 3,000 on-demand video courses. You can strengthen your business, your technology, your creative skills. And we're going to give you a 10-day free trial. All you got to do is go to lynda.com slash DLC and you can check out the entire site for 10 free days. That's lyndacom slash dlc. You can learn all kinds of cool stuff. And these are classes delivered by experts in their field who know what they're doing. They know how to create video. It's not some doofus making a YouTube video that's blurry and shaky and only tells you the thing that you already know and doesn't have the right information in it. No. These are broken down very clearly into categories. They all have uh, transcripts that you can search and then go right to the specific point in a video you need to get the information you want it's awesome also if you're into video games and want to get into creating video games wowlinda.com has great stuff for you all kinds of amazing courses on HTML5 game development so you want to get into that, that way or Maya and 3ds Max they have Unity classes where you can really learn how to program in Unity it's awesome Man, I've been checking out the videos there. There's all kinds of stuff. There's photography classes. There's, you know, create internet shows, like full-on how to start from zero and make your own web show. All kinds of cool stuff. And check them all out for free. You'll let Linda know that it's a good idea for them to sponsor our show. And you'll get free classes for 10 days. So check them out. lynda.com slash D-L-C. All right, guys, uh, the countdown is full on on. So let's get on the hype train.
1: I'm
0: getting hyped. I'm getting hyped. Uh, <sighs> how about this? Uh, you know, we, we got Bethesda having their first ever press conference. For E3, everybody's saying Fallout 4, Fallout 4, Fallout 4. Yeah, Fallout 4, kind of foregone conclusion. We think that's going to happen. Uh, but one game announcement does not a press conference make. So Bethesda is assuring us we are actually also going to see the first gameplay reveal of the new Doom. Doom. Uh, this is exciting. It's I think it's going to be a non-numbered sort of reboot, just plain old Doom. And uh, I'm curious what you guys think the Doom is going to be. I mean, we know what Doom has been in the past, and it's pretty straightforward. Is it going to be more of that? What do you think Doom needs to be in 2015 to blow us all away, JD?
2: Uh, for me, I want Doom to be something enti- I Listen, it's not going to be—it's going to be a shinier, nice, nicer— um, more modern generation version of Doom. I'm sure it'll be awesome and beautiful and super fun, and I'm sure it will appeal to people that love shooters and whatnot. But to get me excited, it would have to be something that is entirely different. Like I would love it if, like the new Doom, they were like, "Great, Doom's coming out, and it's going to be like a mist-like click and click and explore <laughs> mystery game." That's funny. I would get totally that would be on board with that. Yeah, if they were like, the new Doom is. A slow, character-based mystery game. I would be. I love that. <laughs> oh, I know it's not awesome. going to be. I know we have another shooter on our hand. It's going to be super fun. It's going to be Doom, um, but I. It's not. It's not going to get me super excited. I don't think.
0: The way they announce that version of Doom is they start out with a regular sort of Doom trailer, and there's a giant record scratch, and then they're yeah. like. You thought you knew Doom.
1: Yeah, and then Kate no. Upton walks out on stage and says, "Come play with me. Get it for Wait. free on the App Store,
2: guys. I got it. Here's what happens. It starts out. It's like this pounding music. Duh, 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 duh. Doom comes up on the screen, and slowly the Doom spins, and the game is called Mood. It's <laughs> Mood, and it's it's a, a it's a dramatic, sort of, the air is thick with mystery. The mood is in the air, and you have to figure out uh, the murderer of all these crimes. Um, that's what would get yeah, you excited. A,
0: you're, I, a, uh, you're, a, uh, you're a detective with a BFG, big effing exactly. gumshoe. <laughs> yeah,
2: my name is Detective go. Ben Falcon Domingo. Uh, <laughs> or you're uh. Detective Mood. But no, I, I, you know, it's going to be Doom. I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure it's going to be beautiful. I'm sure it's going to be high energy and everything everyone loves about Doom. But it's, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's more of the same to me.
1: Christian, what about you?
0: Is there a a version where you get super excited about Doom, Christian? Or is there no way to get your blood pumping for, for mood?
1: I'm, I'm I'm super excited. I mean, I get uh, beta access because I bought uh, the two-year-old Wolfenstein The New Order or whatever it was. <laughs> beta Sweet. access to Doom five years from now. Um, I So here are some realistic, still probably not accurate guesses for what could get me super excited for a new Doom. One, a smartly handled, self-aware reboot a la the style of Wolfenstein The New Order where that game... I, I think, and the New Blood does it to some extent, but isn't quite as good. It really is kind of lightning in a bottle where it references the original. You have the Nightmare where you can actually play the original Wolfenstein 3D in it. It knows what it is, and it knows what it's trying to do. And the way that they, sent, that they set BJ in a future where he was this relic as the game, and that gameplay style is, is pretty brilliant. If they can take some approach similar to that for Doom... I think that would be awesome. The other thing that I would love to see them do, but I don't think they will, would be if Doom is only, you need a Titan X card to run it. It's not on (laughs) consoles. It's PC only. And it's a big fu. And it's like, this is Doom. This is where graphics are going. Get on board. And you know, whatever. Also, it's on
0: Oculus.
2: Yeah. eh, It's (laughs) not going to be on Oculus. Let's be honest.
1: Shout out SGA. That Um, is... I think there's bad yeah. blood between those companies at this po- at this point I would argue that they're not gonna be super friendly with each other. But uh but what it's really going to be, and it'd still be fun. I mean, if it was a fully realized rage, uh I'd be okay with that. And rage is what, three years old now? I think they could do a fully realized rage and call it Doom.
0: I thought rage was fully realized. I liked rage. I it I wasn't rage bad, was awesome. but it wasn't great. I thought it was very cool. Um, yeah, I think that Doom historically has always been the game that sets the high bar for what graphics can do. And I certainly think they need to, to show off that. Um, and I agree with you. That would be cool if they were like, yeah, this is you, you need a new computer to play Doom. Uh, that would be kind of rad. It's going to be interesting to see what it is. At this point, games have progressed so far beyond what... What Doom has been historically—that either it is this really interesting retro throwback, or it is really reinventing what that series is and adds in the the modern conventions of first-person shooter, which has role-playing elements and you know character progression and all that stuff, or not. You know, I, I I'm curious to see what they do. I I suspect it will be very much a retro game, but I don't know how a retro game works as a $60 box product unless it looks significantly better than what we're getting nowadays. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we are also getting uh, E3 news of uh, one of the big, the big leaked announcements from Microsoft, as we've talked about in previous weeks, uh, Gears of War remastered. Looks like that has been confirmed based on uh, leaked screenshots from, from testers. But that's not the interesting part of this story. The interesting part of this story is what happened to the testers who leaked said images. It looks like Microsoft has the power to brick your Xbox if they don't like what you're doing. Now, obviously, these testers signed an NDA and agreed to the terms. It's not like Microsoft can just, you know, brick anybody's Xbox willy-nilly. These guys agreed to that specific term. Although, you know, who reads the EULA? I don't. I don't read EULAs. Uh, So maybe it's in there somewhere. But Christian, I assume that you are very concerned that this is a a thing. This is kind of what everybody was afraid about when the big uh, hoopla and hullabaloo about uh, always on was happening.
1: I'm actually not that I'm actually not that concerned that this is a thing. These people dumbly, I might add, broken India, like break an India all you want. Email me. I will keep it safe. I will protect a source uh, in a journalistic way. But you don't post uh, watermarked images on YouTube. <laughs> what are you Evidently doing? it was
0: Snapchat, and then what, what happened was he right. somebody snapchat his buddy is like, "Look what I'm working on," and the buddy was like, "I'm gonna take a screen grab of that and uh, and I'm gonna then I'm gonna post it because I'm not your really your buddy," which well bt dubs like I'm glad nobody does that with naked pictures that girls are sending guys because it's Snapchat It del- deletes automatically so no one's actually keeping them
1: right, right. world. Yeah. I mean, well, that's this is a straw that broke the camel's back, I think, for Microsoft, too. Well, yes. is OK, first question concern. Should they be able to break your console remotely? Yeah, uh, they should. Is it a little scary? The world we're living in probably are we willing to accept it for all the cool toys we're getting. You betcha. Um, other thing other people have been doing dumb linking l- leaking of this. I know for a fact friends have received that that are in the, the media have received emails with video. Um, that is very easy to see because they have their account name over their head saying if you... And like the emails will say, if you want to put this on your site, here's the leak. And it's like, what are you doing? People... I think people get so excited to be like, know something and whatever, and then they just make really ill-informed decisions. The moral of this story is if you were put in a position of confidence and the other person on the other side of that trusting you and that confidence is Microsoft? (laughs) Like... (laughs) Don't leak it. You don't become a game tester to leak stuff. You become a game tester to test video games. It's not worth the four minutes of internet f- fame you get from leaking the thing for the, the the wrath that may come upon you. Because a bricked Xbox is the least of their concern here. When I'm sure that there's a probably a a lawsuit coming. Not even a lawsuit. I bet that Microsoft, in the terms and conditions, it's probably mediation. Um, and they probably outlined what damages would be in this case that you've accepted that as a minimum damages because otherwise these things are hard to assess damages. Oftentimes a contract will say what it is. Like, be smart, people. Like, I mean, I shouldn't say that JD is personally working on Fallout Five and he's done the voice acting for it, but like, I keep that secret, you know? Right. Hey, Christian, turn yeah. turn
2: around wherever you are. Look at your look at your Xbox, your PS3, and your TV. All bricked.
1: Well, they're you using the, They're supporting part of my bricked. house now. That You, is just, beautiful. Got you. <laughs> you just got bricked. You just got bricked, dude.
2: Yeah, I think the big takeaway here is um cool about Gears of War Remaster, but also guys get better at leaking stuff. More discreet. <laughs> Garages, trench coats, come on. You Your leaking take... skills Uh, I find wanting. Bricked. Yeah, you just got bricked. You you know, you deserve to get bricked for being bad at leaking. <laughs> um
0: what do you guys think about this uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate reveal? We knew about Assassin's Creed Syndicate, what with the leaking. And uh, it looks kind of cool. It's it's based in Victorian London. But, you know, we, I think, raked Assassin's Creed Unity over the coals for being buggy and broken when it was re- released, as did everybody else, because it was. So should we now give, uh, give Ubisoft some credit for revealing Syndicate and saying, hey, we get it. We messed up. We released a game that wasn't so good. It's not going to happen this time. They revealed uh, the game in a video that featured images of their... or interviews with their their design team, all kind of copping to the fact that Unity was buggy. They even showed images, uh, the very iconic images of the, of the worst bugs of the game in the video, and they were like, we were super embarrassed. Is this... You got to give him credit? Is this, is this a good thing, JD?
2: Uh, I don't know. Where do you guys stand on Assassin's Creed at this point? I feel like how many times... At what point do you have to sort of move on after you've released something that is way subpar? Um, do you, are you are you allowed to keep going to bat on this, the, the same thing over and over again? I, I would be excited for Assassin's Creed Syndicate. Um, I've sort of grown weary of Assassin's Creed um so it's not sort of dissimilar to my the thing i said previously like i would probably prefer a different game at this point um but if it's going to be great i'm i'm always down for great stuff so i i I don't know i i'm just um after uh after all this has happened i I don't know like if it's good great but i'm so skeptical how can you not be skeptical at this point yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've enjoyed
0: exactly one Assassin's Creed game, and it was Assassin's Creed 2. Uh, and But every time they announce a new milieu, a new setting, I go, oh, that is so awesome. I would love to play a game in that setting. It's just not this particular game. I'm, I've just never been an Assassin's Creed fan, and that's okay, because there's plenty of them, and people dig those games, and I'm glad people dig those games. They're just... Every time I feel like I, w- I will have fun running around the environment, I realize, oh, right, I don't get to run around that environment because I'm constantly hiding from people and doing stuff that I don't really want to do. Um, so as much as I'm thrilled about Victorian London and that, oh, my gosh, the announcement trailer looks so rad, I just – I can't muster up that much excitement because I suspect the game won't – despite them saying, oh, it's going to be more fast-paced and it will be the fastest game in the, in the series yet and we have short-range weapons and all this stuff – yeah, I just fool me once, you
2: know. Yeah, but- I feel like I feel like video games are the one thing, um, like one of the few mediums where you can have some poor sequels, and they just because of the amount of momentum and money behind them, they just go. Well, that one didn't do well, so but we're gonna keep moving on, keep moving forward, which to me seems a little strange sometimes. I'm sorry, I interrupted your your butt. No, it's okay, I interrupt my butt. Um, and I think you made a good point there. I, you
0: know, my butt is. That it, aside from the actual game itself, do we believe these guys that it's not going to be buggy?
1: No, Christian. No, no you don't? I mean, the, the crew when it came out, I forget who it was exactly. I think it was the game director was like, then our game's going to work at launch, you know, because it was another Ubisoft game people worried. And guess what game didn't work at launch? That one. Uh, car alarm started going off by my house. If you hear that, um, Sony, you know, Drive, uh, Drive Club, PS Plus. We, it's That was a promise. It's still coming. Guess what's still not out? Drive Club. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm sure they're trying their hardest. They're not intentionally trying. Like no one at Ubisoft working on Assassin's Creed is like, and here's well, I will screw up the animations. Check mate, <laughs> consumers. Like, <laughs> that, that's not happening. But yeah, to say uh, for uh, sure yeah. it's going to be 100% bug free. I mean, I could rely on a friend of the show, chatter extraordinaire space bob to tell me that programming is hard and there's no way that this thing comes out bug free or guaranteed to come out bug free no way
2: also it is insane with game the amount of, the amount of thought and interactivity in modern games uh, and one bug is a single thing not working and it is clear as day to anyone that it happens to but there, there, there's so many things going on there that I just at this point, it seems impossible that you could release a game that is not buggy to a certain extent, and that's why that's why I like that. And at least we live in an era where you can update games, you know, where we can fix bugs on the fly. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess there's buggy, and then there's broken, right? I mean, I, yeah, I accept a certain amount of
0: of bugs in the sense that these games are so complex and so large, as you said, but broken is broken, and and that should not be released. Um, so let's hope that they are. I think the reassuring thing here, what I was wanted to get at, I think, is it's nice to see some self-awareness from a company this large. And, you know, you you realize these people are human beings and they have pride in their work and they don't want to release these things like that. And it's nice that they acknowledge it and they, and they present a human face, you know, and they're not – it's not this PR speak. It's not Mark from marketing just going, well, uh, there's 38% more X and Y and Z. It's, it's actually human beings like, hey, man, this, these are our babies. We work tirelessly, you know, these long hours to create these things. And we get bummed out when, you know, it has awful bugs. So we don't want that to happen. I think that's a good thing. And I applaud at least the messaging here, if nothing else. Yeah, I agree. What do you guys think of Nintendo World Championships coming back for E3? Uh, it's been 25 years since we had Nintendo World Championships. I hope, beyond all hope, as two comedians, you guys got a chance to see the announcement trailer of this that Nintendo made.
2: I uh, I only saw half of it before I think I had to turn away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Why does Nintendo only have $12 to make their national,
2: you know, worldwide release trailers? I know. I had a moment watching it where I went like, no one told them to color balance this? Like, no, no <laughs> one told them to, like, maybe do another take? Yeah.
0: You know, we... We can use the actual executives. These guys are all <laughs> trained actors, right? All our executives—they don't sound wooden or stupid.
1: I have a no? Canon. I have a Canon 5D because I'm real into photography. We can use that. And my little brother has Photoshop on his computer.
0: <laughs> We're not a multi-billion-dollar company who has. But is this like an intentional ironic, uh, adorably, uh, you know? It, is that what they're going for? Is this like, oh, it's so dorky that it it wrapped around to being awesome no. again?
1: Part of it, yes. <laughs> I mean, the song is intentional, the the jokes, the tone and stuff like that. But if they had a if they had devoted a real budget and a real crew and color you know, if they did the things that JD was talking about, it would that humor would still be there, but it would also just look better and no one would notice that oh, they're trying too hard. You know what I mean? You can do geeky low look things that actually look very good and it makes them better
2: i'm actually i don't i don't think this is funny at all i think this is very serious i think it's a problem (laughs) in our society that you know we all know that every 25 years the nintendo world championship comes back and humanity has to battle out over the number one stage to find out who is superior and who is not and the fact that they're taking it so lightly honestly (laughs) bothers me as as a member of you know spaceship earth (laughs) yeah
0: well said can't top that um let's uh let's wrap up the uh story of the week segment by returning to where it all started sg's favorite segment sg8's favorite segment um some more vr news evidently when we heard about casey hudson leaving uh bioware and mass effect and not knowing what he was going to do next He kind of knew what he was going to do next. He's shown up now as the new creative director at Microsoft Studios. But in his own words, he says his primary focus is going to be HoloLens experiences. So all the people that I've heard on numerous tech podcasts saying HoloLens is not going to be a gaming device. uh, I think you're dead wrong. And I think we're going to see huge HoloLens stuff on the Microsoft press conference. Uh, What do you guys think about Casey Hudson joining, working on HoloLens? Is that good news?
2: I think that's great news. I think that means HoloLens might be something, like you said, that is an interactive gaming device as opposed to something that's <laughs> somewhere in the middle of interactivity and utility use, which is, I think that's a great thing. I think having someone with interactive experience, it's only good news for HoloLens. Whether this really means something, it's going to be good or not, I don't know, but at least there's someone behind it that um, at least has an eye for gaming, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Christian, You are you feeling this
0: too?
1: Yeah, I mean, the hire makes sense, right? They look at Mass Effect and they're like, we have this tech and there's a way to kind of make the things look like the control arm of Mass Effect. If only we could hire someone who worked, the guy who worked on Mass <laughs> Effect.
0: Wait a minute, we have all the money. We can just give <laughs> him
1: some of it. And even if, uh, even if HoloLens you know fizzles out i think it's exciting to have him at microsoft because microsoft said they are going to reinvest in first party games and first party studios i think what i don't know how much time he'll honestly be spending on hololens just because microsoft has a history for whatever their new tech they're unveiling they say their new hire that's kind of in that sphere is also working on um what that was true for the surface and the kin um the zune and a lot of those things are no longer with us. But uh, I think he's a smart hire for a company looking to make great games because he has a great track record of making great games.
0: Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys, let's move on now to the playlist.
2: Oh, playing this week
0: Normally, I would go to our guest first for playlist descriptions, but we'll get to you, J.D. I just wanted to... There's a lot of anticipation to talk about <laughs> Witcher 3, so I'm just going to kick things off a little bit. No, talking I want to talk. No, <laughs> I'm going to st- start off talking about Heroes of the Storm. No, I'm kidding. Witcher 3. Um, so I got uh, early access to Witcher 3 on PS4, and um, so... He, If there's any doubt as to whether this game is going to deliver on its promises, let me just say right away, have no doubts. Um, It is everything that you want out of a role-playing game, and it is, uh, you know, I've only spent about four hours, maybe five hours with it so far, so I'm very early on. We'll be talking about it in subsequent weeks a lot, because I'm going to be playing a lot more of it. Um, I've gotten a lot of people saying, why aren't you playing it on PC? Well, that's because we can't play it on PC until today or tomorrow. So I started playing it on PS4 because that's what I could play it on, um, but I'm going to switch over to PC. So it's very impressive. It's gorgeous. Uh, I think, I you know, do I do I wish the cutscenes were a little better? Yes. D- does it look like The Order 1886? No. Is it still gorgeous? Yes. Do the uh, open world elements work in a Witcher game? Because they've never really had an open world before. Yes, it feels like this hybrid between a very focused story based game and uh, and Skyrim. You know, it, it very much feels like exploring the countryside, finding undiscovered spots on your map is really thrilling and interesting. But it still has that really dense story-based stuff that a Witcher game has. In fact, it actually feels like the game that I have wanted for a long time, which is medieval fantasy sword and sorcery, Red Dead Redemption. That's what the game feels most like. And, if you loved Red Dead Redemption as much as I did, then you're going to be very, very happy uh, with this game because you know, you're know you getting on your horse, you're riding around, you're encountering really interesting stories that just sort of happen to you, or you're following strictly to the story-based stuff and, and going from place to place. It's all optional and all your option all the time. Uh, I'm super encouraged also about my first tastes with the combat system. Uh, they did a lot of work in Witcher 2. On the combat system, I liked it a lot, but they, you know, came up with this big patch making the combat system more dynamic and more interesting. Um, you know, a few months after the game was released, it seems like they learned a lot from that, and this combat system is really, really good. Again, I haven't put a ton of time into it yet, but the er- my early reaction to how you have to play uh, and how you have to fight different enemies and All the interplay between the systems, the magic system, you know, with the signs uh, that is very classic Witcher and the uh, crafting system, making bombs and potions and things with a really interesting sword play mechanic. Uh, With Witcher 2, you basically dive rolled your butt off uh, around enemies. Uh, You can still dive roll, but there's also a dodge now and a parry and uh, you have many more options in how to fight things. And it's, it's really fascinating. Of course, with The Witcher, you have the two swords. You have the one sword for sort of humanoid people fighting, and then the silver sword against monsters. Can we uh, pause
1: real, right here really quick? Just yeah. to, I don't know if you – I just want to dive into the fighting. I mean does it sure. feel neutered in some way? I know Witcher 2 – It went a long way from release to current build, how you would buy it and play it in the, in the combat. And, uh, some Witcher purists were afraid that this Witcher 3 approach is more Assassin's Creed and much less what they want the Witcher to be in that you automatically pull the correct sword. It's kind of stab, stab, parry. Are you finding the Mm -hmm. combat to be satisfying or?
0: I am. As I said, I, you know, I, I haven't done a ton of it so far. I've, I've been playing a lot of Gwent, which I'll get to in a second, but, um, I have, I, you know, I've gone on my first hunt. I've done a few story missions where there's fighting. Uh, I like how the enemies behave differently. There's certain enemies that work in packs, and so you're constantly having them surround you and try to use tactics to get behind you, which is really interesting. Um, I don't find it to be like Assassin's Creed. Maybe as it goes on, I will. It'll feel a little more, um, a little more predictable, or or that one certain tactic works above all others. But early on, I'm. I'm having much more fun with it than that. I'm having, uh, you know, a sort of Bloodborne, Dark Souls esque experience with, oh, what does this enemy do? How do I deal with them? I can't just charge in and slash everything. Hopefully that that sustains, and I don't, you know, find those flaws that you're talking about. But I like the number of options that you have in any combat situation, which is really really cool.
1: And why do you want to make the switch to PC? Is PS4 unplayable or if if someone doesn't have a a pc to run this at ultra or high settings is it worth playing on console or do you think the pc experience is going to be that much better
0: well i think it looks fantastic on the ps4 i've had it it runs smooth i've heard reports that if you get into really large battles that the frame rate will suffer i haven't had that experience yet as i said haven't put a ton of time into it um but it, it looks great it is very much a game that was designed for a PC. I think, uh, text size is very small. Uh, the things you have to notice on the screen are very small and I find it to, I want to be leaning forward. You know, we talk a lot about that leaning forward or leaning back kind of experience. I want to be leaning forward in this game and I'm excited about playing it on my PC. I don't think the settings it it, it'll probably look a little bit better, but I don't, it's not really that that's drawing me to the PC. It's more that I want to be six inches from the screen rather than six feet from the screen. You know what I mean? Interesting.
1: Um, is this, JD, did you play the first two at all? Or is this, you've missed the, you've missed the boat with the witchers.
2: I, I missed the boat on the witchers, but, uh, despite the previous chat room suggestions, I'm going to try to get back on the boat for Witcher three is my goal.
1: Cause it's a brand new card game, Jeff, right? I mean, this has never been seen before. You've suffered through console crashes to keep playing it.
0: So I had one console crash and, um, I reported that on Twitter, and people said that the specific issue that I had is in the launch day patch notes. So evidently it will be addressed before it's launched. I hope that's the case, because it was a bummer. Um, but it happened once, and it evidently is is when you play Gwent, which is this very cool tabletop game that's embedded inside The Witcher. It's a very robust, really well-designed designer board game inside Inside the game of The Witcher, so I find my I, I worry that I'll be playing a lot more of that than anything else, in even in, in the game because it's so interesting. It's such a it's a cool game. It's basically you're creating these armies and you get to pull out one card at a time, uh, and you're creating three lines. You're creating a, like a, a melee line up front, an archery line in the middle, and like an artillery line with catapults in the back. And so certain cards can only go into certain lines, and they each have a numeric value and. Whoever, whichever player has the higher numeric value in each of those lines wins that line at the end of the round. But there's multiple rounds, and you don't ever get any more cards. So the really interesting juicy bit of decision-making comes in whether or not you're going to play a card now this round and try to win this round, or wait until next round when your opponent has used up a bunch of his good cards and doesn't have anything for next round. Uh, and you, all you have to do is win two out of three rounds to win the match, so it's a really interesting. – I've never really seen that mechanic before of like I'm not going to play this now because I think you're going to punch yourself out effectively. You know what I mean? Use up all your good cards.
1: I always yeah. want these types of games or a GTA to somehow establish a real risk reward for staying and bowling or staying and playing this game where like you actually get real tangible things if you're able to win. But at the same time, the day-night cycle is happening and that beast you're hunting is now – has left. Or something like that it, it, you're it's no this, more beast you didn't it's, hunt this, it. it's this weird you're- thing right where you're like in this mission and you know people have joked about this with gta forever and you're like oh i gotta i gotta take down the guy who betrayed me and killed my wife but first i'm gonna take this girl on a date and do some bowling for 12 hours <laughs> <laughs>
2: You wish yeah. had you wish addiction had more consequences in games, where it's just like, <laughs> yeah. well, you, you could be safe in the world, but you're addicted to gambling in this weird in-game casino. Um, <laughs> we're gonna Sorry. see your family fall apart. We're gonna see all your friends start keeping you at arm's length.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> I do. That's great. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything else you guys want to know. I, again, we'll I'll talk about it more next week, but um. You know, it's it has a it gives you a very good first impression. It's gorgeous. The like the first thing you see is uh, naked lady and guys cussing.
2: So it's it is it's still keeping its M rated roots. It's um. Th- is this is this something that I can dive into if I haven't played Witcher one or two, or absolutely. should I backtrack? Yeah, I mean, it's like it's yeah, it's any role playing game at this
0: point. It, it's a self contained story. There's there's going to be baggage that The Witcher has that would give you. You know, you would enjoy because you right. knew from previous games, but I don't think you'll miss out on anything really.
2: Okay, um,
0: yeah, it's it's awesome, and it's uh, it's smartly designed. There's there's really cool things like when you get on your horse, if you just hold X on a road, your horse will automatically stay on that road and and ride, so you don't have to you know babysit it and steer on the road if you just want to go from place to place. And you can sort of spin the camera around and look at the beautiful vistas as you as you ride by. I like little stuff like that that like makes the game you know more palatable. That's yeah, great. Far Cry Four
1: um, did that well. With uh, you could just drive to your destination. It would just stay on the road, and you could shoot and yeah. do whatever, but it would kind of handle the steering for you.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. Um, I don't know if there's anything else I can I can shed light on at this point, but there's tons of stuff to do right away. As as with a you know a sort of Skyrim esque experience, which might be overwhelming to people. Certainly, the original Witcher or the first two Witch- Witchers weren't like that. Uh, it does a really awesome tutorial i think the tutorial is super smart and stays well within the it's done in a story way really smartly um anyway we'll talk a lot more about it next week but i don't think you should worry about ordering a console version because it looks great it plays great i just find myself preferring the experience of playing on a pc it, you know, maybe it's my vision and sitting back on my couch if people have better vision than I have. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the tiny text is, is a little annoying. There's, there, I mean, there's lots of little tiny text, that, you know, um, characters that you can interact with. It'll have a little teeny bit of text above them that tells you what you do, what happens if you press X, like talk. Um, and, you know, the mini map is, is, is really small and all of the inventory screens, all the text is very small. It looks like they designed it for a PC. Uh, which I suspect they did. So um, that, that sounds to great me
2: is is problematic, but
0: uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome. It's awesome. Um okay, so JD, what's on your playlist?
2: Uh, I've been playing a lot of hearthstone, Blackrock Mountain. Um, nice. that's become my uh, my stress release as I will uh, knock out a couple games of hearthstone. I feel like uh, I had the typical experience with hearthstone where I think the first weekend that I played it, which was right when it came out, i accidentally played for like 20 hours straight. And then I was like, oh no, I need to delete this. I need to get this off my, I need to, I can't play this ever again. But now I play more responsibly. Um, and I find it's it's uh, a really fun game because you can obviously jump in and just play a couple rounds. Um, and I, it's the first sort of card game that I've been able to get into because, um, or virtual card game. Uh, because it, starting from, it's so new that I sort of could, grasp get my hands around the meta in a in a way that i can't with games that have been around for such a long time Mm -hmm. um so now as they're adding new uh packs and new sort of characters and things like that i'm trying to keep up with it but i think blackrock it's the first time where i've gone oh no i don't know every every card right now and i'm finding myself one or two steps back um so i'm wondering if like the next iteration i'm gonna sort of start losing my touch with hearthstone but Um, right now I'm still holding on, but I'm enjoying it a lot. What do you play it on mostly, um, mobile or, or on your computer? I play entirely on iPad. Um, Hmm. just because I find when I play, I, uh, I'm doing it to sort of, uh, escape from everything. So I need to be off my computer and sort of laying on my couch or in my bed or something like that. Um, so I play almost exclusively on my iPad. Cool. Yeah. Uh, what else, what else you got? Uh, I've been playing Don't Starve Together with a bunch of friends. Uh, Don't Starve was a survival game that came out, I want to say, a year or so ago. And then they released uh, Don't Starve Together, which was the co-op version of it. And that's been super fun. For me, um, when I've been playing games, it's usually either to escape or to uh, engage with friends when we live in different places and we want to jump online together and do something. So Don't Starve Together has been super fun. I don't know if you guys have played, but it's basically this game where... um, you're trying not to starve. Um, it's uh, a farming sort of base creation game. Uh, you know, sort of your little cartoon avatars, and you're going around, and man, is the wor- it's like sort of this borderline post-apocalyptic, but mostly just sort of this like morbid, bittersweet world where everything is either out to kill you or can barely keep you a little bit al- alive for 10 more seconds. Um, the whole thing is you try to get as much stuff done during the day, and then the night comes, and you have to be around a fire, or else you will be killed. And then you just see how long you can play, and for me and my friends, at, you know, we can probably we can probably stay alive for an hour or two before we die. So it's sort of the perfect size game for people to get to, to, uh, get together and play. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. It, it has a lot of those moments where you think you've got it under control. You've built this great base. You're near all the things that you need. You've you've gathered all the grain you need to stay alive to eat. You're near all the rock you need to build more structures. And then suddenly something happens and everyone on voice chat is screaming at each other and um, red alert has gone out and everything's falling apart. So it's a lot of fun if you like those experiences of like, great, we got this under control. We're good, we're good, we're good. Oh no, this thing's chasing me. Everybody run. Oops, I brought it back to the base. Oops, it caught everything on fire. Our base is ruined. We have 10 seconds before nightfall and we're in a lot of trouble. So it's like a lot of stuff like that. Uh, Does does the way that game work that you have a session that you start and it's a self-contained session that you play with friends yeah so basically you create your own little server where you can have you know it can be public but I think it's up to like eight people or so can play Um, so for us we just create a server with a password where there'll be two to four of us all playing together and um, what's sort of fun about is the best use case of it is you all start then you have to all go explore individually to figure out where you can set up base camp so it sort of feels like this bizarre co-op game where you start off together in the beginning then we all go okay well I'll see you guys in about half an hour. And so it's just wow, all of us cool. exploring on our own. We find somewhere and someone goes, hey, I found a place for our base. Everyone come here. And then we all sort of spend a couple of days traveling back to that person. And then we sort of try to build our base from there on out. Um, that sounds so sounds really awesome.
1: It's I really like fun. Way I, I finally know now why Hearthstone, which makes me stressed out, is your stress relief release game when you're playing don't starve and then you got to unwind with some super competitive card playing.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, don't starve together. is a great, it's a great game, but it is, it's, it's one where you're, you, you never win. You're always Mm -hmm. going to lose. I mean, I'm sure you can win if you're really good, but for us, we've played tons and tons of hours and we always, we always get destroyed. And then eventually winter comes, which just means the game becomes super hard because you can't get any food and your characters start freezing to death. And like, whether or not you grow a beard means you stay warm. So it's like all this weird stuff plays together. And there, there's so many deep elements of the game that are really fun that it's, it's a perfect game for being on voice chat with your friends and going, hey, guys, I think I found it. Oh, no. Then I was going, what happened? What happened? You're just like, don't worry. Just run. Everybody run. <laughs> don't Everybody worry. Just run. Just run. <laughs> yeah.
1: So you're saying it should have been called You're Going to Starve Together?
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and usually that's, honestly, it's, the name is perfect because what will happen is, you know, you'll have enough health. You'll have enough food, and then someone else will start. Um, their character will start starving, and you're all like, "Don't starve! Do not starve! We cannot afford to have you starve right now. Find food!" Uh, Amazing. So it's uh, it's a really fun game to shout at your friends over. So
0: each each time you play, it has a beginning, middle, and end. You you are starting from from start, and you end when everyone dies. Is that the idea?
2: Yeah. So basically, you start, and base it's like a. I think it's randomly generated map, um, mm-hmm. and it's you know, not too different than any sort of other. It's like a top-down game, so it's uh, right. any other, like a StarCraft map or something like that, where it's like, great, there's trees over here, there's a desert area over here, there's swamps over here, mm-hmm. and so you start with nothing, and so immediately you just have to go gather wood to make tools, and you have to gather grain to make food, and you have to go gather um, other rocks to make different tools, and you have to build structures. So you basically start with nothing, and then you see how much you can build before you die. And how long does that session typically last? Um, for us, you know, it can be anywhere from an hour to two hours. You can keep going longer, but, you know, I think we all eventually, someone makes a mistake and we end up having a critical failure at some point, Two hours in is usually what happens with us. Um, awesome. And, you know, I'm sh- you can keep playing for a long time and people have built these amazing bases that they show online and people can keep going. You can ostensibly keep going forever, I think, um, but... For us, we last we we get to the winter and then we die is usually how it works. It's interesting. It, it, we've had several guests come on and talk
0: about the fact that they played Don't Starve together, and I never really got it until now. I, and it sounds really
2: compelling. It's something I would I think I would really like, but I just haven't given it a chance yet. So I'm yeah, glad and it's you, a uh, it's a game you really have to play with other people because if you play yeah. alone, it's it is it's sad and it's like depressing. <laughs> oh man, that's funny. Um, yeah. What else? Anything else on your playlist? Um, monaco that you know similar to don't starve together a bunch of us played yeah. the new levels of monaco that came out it's a, another perfect game for all yelling at each other when someone doesn't follow the plan but it's a perfect right. game where someone cannot follow the plan you can still recover um but yeah that's that's basically been most of it um if you yeah. like yelling at
0: people who don't follow the plan you should really get into heroes of the storm
2: With i know jeff. i've heard i've heard this <laughs> but here's the storm i just i'm nervous i'm nervous to jump in jeff i'm nervous Don't be nervous. You're just going to get yelled at a lot. It's cool, man. I feel like you're just going to yell at me for not knowing my role. (laughs) Just know your role and you won't get yelled at.
1: Jeff's the drug dealer that will give you your first hit for free and then tell you you're doing it wrong.
2: (laughs) Right, because also watch Jeff. Here's how it works. Great. I want to play for my first time and you're telling me to play. All right, Jeff, do you want to play together? Mm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, that's the problem. Just you know,
0: just learn a, and then we we we'll can play together. No, I would be I would happily play with you. Uh and I I like I'm happy to help people learn the game. I predict much like you said with Hearthstone where you're like I've never really gotten into a competitive card game before, you'll you'll say the same thing about MOBAs with Hearthstone or with uh Heroes of the Storm. It's it's like, "Oh, I've never really realized how much I could love games like this before because that's what Blizzard does." They know right. how to take this kernel and polish it and
2: make it perfect. Yeah.
0: Anyway, anyway, but I I also like Monaco quite a bit.
2: It, it, clever, smart, interesting game. Um, yeah, and it's super else? fun, super fun game for everything to fall apart and everyone to shout at each other and then try to figure it out. <laughs> Have
1: yeah. you played Space Team or what? Is, no, Space Cadet. Oh, I always forget the name, but it's super fun iPhone game. Space we yell team. at each other. Space Team. Space team. Yeah. yeah.
2: Space Team. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. I love Space Team. It's so good. Space team adds uh, g- silly words to the yelling at each other uh, recipe. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much what I've been playing. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Christian, are you going to play Witcher 3, Christian?
1: No, probably not. I uh, haven't got into the Witchers now, especially excuse, um, baby excuse, is going to prevent me from diving in. But real excuse is um, I'm still enjoying... Uh, da, 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 Wolfenstein, still enjoying Bloodborne, and then Batman is just around the corner. So I think I did it as a, as a, uh, they're not finishing moves. That was Weekend Confirmed, whatever we call them on this one, parting gift. Um, yeah. In no way related to Weekend Confirmed. Owned and no, by no, not. No, no way related. Uh, <laughs> no way inspired by. Yeah. Um, just prioritizing my gaming budget and what I can afford and what I can't afford. Also, while I <laughs> cough, cough, continue to spec and respec and purchase and unpurchase and add to cart unadd to cart a gaming pc um witcher 3 unfortunately is not going to make the cut but you can put it on your console dude i'm saying for that it's again i don't have the gaming time and or i i can't buy every game um if someone wants to send me the copy of the game for free i will promise i will play five hours of it at least um (laughs) but i mean i buy I, i buy my games i don't have uh I mean, if devs want to start sending me games, I will play them and I will give them all a review 10 out of 10. I promise that I will, (laughs) I will talk crap about them on this podcast, but my official review will be, um, 10 out of 10. (laughs) Integrity. Yeah. Um, but this week, what I haven't talked about it, but I've played it a bunch and I should talk about it because it's been out and we haven't talked about it. Um, the Mario Kart 200cc DLC, which was originally part of the DLC pack, but then they made it as a patch free for everybody. Holy, it's so good. I think Mario Kart is made to be played at 200cc now. It makes the tracks so much more interesting, where what used to be a, a gentle sloping S-curve, all of a sudden you really have to prepare for and try to snake or drift through and set up your drifts, because just that extra 50cc will send you careening off a cliff and something that used to just be cool looking geometry on the outside of a tunnel that you were about to enter will now become like the bane of your existence because you'll clip it every single time. And if you clip geometry in Mario Kart games, I mean, it's a dead halt, right? Like you lose yeah. all momentum. And it, they also came with the new uh, tracks. The second track pack came out at the same time, man, the, the tracks are great. The only knock I have against Mario Kart eight still now especially with this 200 cc uh edition or dlc or patch whatever you want to call it is i don't care if it is more of the same nintendo i want f-zero you play i have my little cart set to be an f-zero car falcon's car i'm playing the f-zero track at 200 cc it's like just it's it's like here's a taste it's not the thing but it's a taste and uh ooh, i would love that but if you haven't played it you have mario kart jeff you should download the the patch and give 200 cc a spin it's awesome
0: yeah will it will i be embarrassed at how many times i crash
1: probably well yeah do the play it on the gamepad don't even turn on your tv bring your gamepad over yeah. next to your pc and as you're waiting for witcher to unlock or load just fire up one race or something like that you know don't sit down and play it for five hours but uh right. it's 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 pretty great and then the other things i've been um again with baby what i can do is or she's still kind of in the sleeping a lot stage. So she'll be resting on my legs or in her sweet little uh, baby Bjorn chair. And I've been playing new super or not new original Super Mario Brothers 3 uh, on 3DS. That game is still some of the best Mario gameplay ever. Um, Interestingly, Mario has a little bit of a drift or a little bit of a he, he kind of jogs out of a run in that. But I feel like the new Super Mario Brothers games largely abandoned. It took me a while to get the feeling back for it. But the art direction on that game, I don't love anymore. I remember thinking it was awesome. It seems too flat and kind of bland. I think Mario Two was more interesting. Mario One, I think, actually holds up better. But my my fave is probably Super um, Super NES Mario, Super Mario World, whatever. Yeah, World.
0: Yeah, mine too. I think it's beautiful, mine too.
1: but. Three for gameplay like the the feel the the way the raccoon suit the way that that flies the way you can run and glide without it the fireball bounce the layout of those worlds is really close to perfect it's it's challenging in all the right ways um so again if you have a 3ds and you haven't played it it's, it's kind of like when i was talking about uh uh, Golden Coins Two or whatever that GBA Mario game is. I mean, it's easy to say, "Oh yeah, I played it ten years ago." But if you have a little bit of downtime and have a 3DS or a console to play these things on in that kind of pick up and play setting, I mean, Nintendo makes the hits, right? <laughs> and going yeah. back and replaying old Mario games, it's it's a testament to the to the genius behind those things.
0: Awesome, awesome. Um, w- there was a a patch last week for Here's the Storm. I know people don't. Want to hear me talk about it? Because I always talk about it. Uh, it's great. Foss, awesome new character. Um, the one thing I just wanted to bring up real quickly is that I've fallen in love with watching a game evolve. It's not something I ever liked before. But it has become, you know, in the age of, of Steam Greenlight and in the age of Early Access and all that stuff... I was not a person who ever wanted to play a game in beta. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't, you know. I, I was, let me f- just finish the game and then I'll have a, a wonderful first impression of it. I have completely 180 on that opinion. I am leaping into these wonderful indie games that are in early access, that are in a Steam Greenlight. I talked about a lot of them: Sunless Sea and all, you know, and uh, uh, Darkest Dungeon and, and some of those wonderful games uh, earlier in the year that I fell in love with. And seeing, like, having a new patch come up and this experience that I'm having with Heroes of the Storm where it's so wonderful to be so familiar with a game and have hundreds of hours you've already put into something and then see these little tweaks that the developers are doing on the fly. Now, of course, you need to have a game that's playable and good and done and not broken when you're playing it in beta like Blizzard tends to do. But um, when you have that, it's really fun to have a new patch come out and go, oh, my God, they added a little – they added a little – uh, d- signifier for this thing like when I get stunned oh now my character name changes to stunned so brilliant so smart oh they added you know the the what characters will satisfy daily quests and I click on their name and it shows me if it'll satisfy it or not that's so smart ah, all that little stuff little graphical changes oh my gosh they added an effect here a thing there's such a joy to watching something evolve like that I have completely become a fan of being a part of that process, which I
2: never thought I would be before. Yeah, it humanizes it. And I think that's interesting that, because I feel like there's so many games where you jump in and it's like, well, here's the game, you either like it or you don't. And it's, it's really interesting to see games evolve like that where you go, oh, there's people behind this trying to make my experience better. And they're getting to these decisions because they're seeing whether or not people are enjoying it or whether there's an easier way or better way to do this thing. It turns it from being this game that is so often you in front of a screen, theoretically interacting with other humans, to feeling like, oh, this has been created for me, for me to enjoy. And all these changes right. are in in pursuit of me enjoying this more. Yeah. It becomes a conversation, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: All right, dudes. Uh, before we go, we got to carve out a little bit of tabletop time. Right now. Right now. Time.
2: Time.
0: I remember to fix the bumper this week, guys. Aren't you proud of me? Um, there it was. Everybody missing it.
2: <laughs>
0: Everyone revel in it. Yeah. <laughs> revel in it. Revel in the glory. JD, you are a designer board game player, and you've been playing a ton of stuff, including some of my favorite games. So tell me uh, where, where you want to start with what you've been um, playing on the tabletop.
2: The big one I t- want to talk about is my first one on the list. So I'll just get through the other ones quickly is um, some older games that I've been playing with friends a lot lately. Uh, Pandemic, a bunch of us have been playing. It's such a yep. fun game to play with a bunch of people. It's a great entry game for people who don't play that many designer board games but want to play something that's not a normal board game. And it being co-op just makes it so much fun. Um, and ram- being able to ramp up the difficulty. it's you know, I think you can tell the theme. I really like games where you all have a plan that you work together and then it falls apart and you have to scramble to fix it. I think that's a really fun dynamic among friends. To be able to go well, we had this idea. It didn't work, and now we have to figure out how to do it, or else we die. Um, right. So, pandemics a super fun one, uh, version of that. Um, me and some friends will always play Puerto Rico, which is one of my favorite. Yeah, I mean, it's just a, a really great stepping stone game. It's got yeah, its its foundation is really strong, so you can always get into that and sort of find a new strategy or a new fun thing. Yeah, uh, I
0: don't know if I've ever talked about Puerto Rico on the show, but it is one. It's probably in my top. Five or ten games of all time. I have two copies of it. I have the regular copy, and then I bought the like collector's edition with the actual right. metal gold pieces because I'm a sucker. Um, but Puerto Rico is awesome. Puerto Rico is is sort of the the ultimate version of a designer board game in the sense that there is absolutely zero luck in that game. It is completely what you make of it, and the decisions you make lead to your success or failure. And you create these wonderful engines. Um, it's, it's, it's so awesome I love that game
2: yeah it's a really fun game and like you said you, it's, it's all about choices that you make and there's so many choices to make that every game you can have a different approach to how you're playing it and the people you're playing with have different approaches it's very rarely a game where you can come in and go here's how I know I can win this game let me execute it it's more you really have to sort of adjust and play the game how you want how, how the game needs to be played in the moment which I think is really fun
0: yeah, it's it's got an interesting mechanic. It's called role selection. So what you the way you play the game is that everybody takes a turn selecting a role that they'll they'll get to play that turn, but everybody gets to do the role that one person selected. So even though I pick the role of captain, well, captain's a bad example, but even if I whatever role I pick, everybody gets a chance to to do that Mechanic in the game, but I get a bonus to doing it and I get to do it first. And oftentimes, the order in which you do something in that game is super important. But at very high levels of play of Puerto Rico, it's almost like going to Vegas and playing um, playing Blackjack because if you do something, it affects the person next to you. Because right. And there's a lot of like, well, you should have selected that role. That's the right move to do right now. So people can get pretty ornery about it. But I just, I love the level of interaction that happens and you can screw people over by filling up the ship too too much or just leaving your stuff in the ship too long uh it's a it's a fantastic game
2: yeah it's the kind of game where there's so many decisions you can be making and things to take into account that when it's not your turn you're spending every second trying to figure out what your next turn could be um you're never you're never waiting knowing what your next turn is going to be you're always going okay well now it has to be this oh and then by the time it gets to you're sort of like uh i guess i'll do this this and this which I think is important for uh, board games where you should always be able to be thinking and never waiting. I completely agree. Well said. Um, What else you got? Um, Another game that I just played for the first time uh, is Space Cadet Dice Duel. Um, I, Chris, mentioned earlier. Yeah, I I work on this show called The Chris Gethard Show. Um, It started as a stage show at the UCB Theater and and it went, went to public access television in New York almost on a dare and while we were on public access, we would sort of do every episode, we have a different theme. And so one episode, um, we had old uh, comedy friend of Chris Gethard's, the host, was uh, Rich Summer, who you guys might know from Mad Men. He came on. He's a buddy of mine, too. Oh, yeah, great. And so he came on to be on the show. And as you know, he's a big board game player. Mm-hmm. And so back then, we said, great, well, is there any board game that we could play on the air that would be fun to play live on TV? And back then, I think it was right before Space Cadet Dice Tool came out um, publicly. So he was like, well, I got this thing early and it'd be really fun to play it. And so we set up this episode where we created this whole fake circumstance where there was like this alien that had kidnapped members of our cast. And the only way to destroy them was to win. And Space Cadet, It was this whole awful, really poorly realized, under budget, awful, 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 awful premise which led to this board game, which is a super fun game, but is maybe one of the worst things to play on television to the point that our whole audience started booing. And <laughs> Rich felt super bad about it. And then our guest band, who was this band, The Nightbirds, who's this really awesome punk band, someone called into our show and said that the punk band should flip over the table with the board. So it turned into this whole awful thing where oh my gosh. Rich, Rich was trying to put the pieces back into the game and this <laughs> band was trying to run at the cast and flip over the table. So, and it ended up just being this weird wrestling match fight. But so after, and, you know, at the end of the episode too, the designers of Space Cadet Dice Duel called into the show and were like, hey, just so you guys know, like, it's your episode that stunk, not our game. Like, our game's good. Your episode was bad. And we were like, yeah, that's probably really fair. Um, so it was like a huge disaster of an episode. Oh, that's sad. It was really fun. It was like, it ended up being a really fun episode, but like in a disastrous sense. Um, but because of that, I've always been like, oh, I should actually just play that to like, see how it is. And it's such a fun game. It is not a fun game for television, but it is such <laughs> a fun game to play among friends. Because it's, um, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's a continuous play game, so that means there's no turns. You're just trying to do things as fast as you can. Everyone has their different role, and you're com- commanding a ship fighting against another ship. Um, so it's really really a fun game. But um, I was inspired to play it because... Um, we did it no service on our show.
0: <laughs> That's hilarious.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and-
0: one of the first times I, when I was just getting into into designer board games, I got invited over to Rich's house to play games. And I was I thought it was going to be awesome. I was going to bring over Settlers of Catan and Puerto Rico and these games that i just gotten into and little did i know that he was you know like 5 years ahead of me as far or even more as far as like down the rabbit hole of designer board games and it just blew my mind some of the games he brought to the table and i was like i got to go buy all of these yeah um, and if you want to hear rich talk more about board games he has a podcast now called cardboard so you should search for that on iTunes cuz it's um uh, it's a very good show he's a very uh he's a voiceover artist as well and he uh he's very good about at talking about board
2: games yeah. And he's one of the nicest guys. Um, and the, the last thing that I've been playing a lot of recently, which has been super fun. Um, it started on my birthday. I had a, a friend of mine who's a very good, uh, GM, GM, what do you want to call it? I had him organize a game for my birthday. And then now at the Chris Gethard show offices, I've got, we've gotten the whole staff to start playing and that is dungeon world. Mm-hmm. Um, and dungeon world is, a, a role-playing game, much like Dungeons and Dragons, but it, takes a couple steps back from, I think, some of the things that will um, complicate the game or turn off new players in the sense that there is, in Dungeons & Dragons, there's a lot of steps to achieve moves in terms of having to know lots of different stats and how moves will turn into roles and how those things affect each other. Dungeon World is a lot more focused on the story and the game side of things in terms of um, what's the next thing you're doing. And there's some really simple mechanics to determine whether or not your idea of what you want to do works or not. And our dungeon master, our game master is Brian Miller, and he is the perfect dungeon master for uh, new players. And so it's been fun taking huge groups of people that have never played these games for, and still having these really fun, successful, ridiculous campaigns. Um, so I've been having a blast playing that. I think I, after the first time I played it, I think I texted Christian and said, like, you have to play this game. Um, awesome. cause if, if you're into comedy, uh, if you get if you have a bunch of friends and you guys have fun making stuff up together, talking, Dungeon World is the perfect game um, to get into RPGs. Um, and if you're interested in RPGs too, you should check out Brian Miller, who he works on the Gethard Show staff. He's runs all of our social media. He's our our game master, and he actually runs a great uh, blog about being a dungeon master. I think it's thedrunkdm.com or thedrunkdm.tumblr.com, <laughs> where he sort of helps people learn how to be a good DM and a good game master. So we've had the whole staff playing that, um, you know, after a long day's work, we'll all gather, gather in our uh, brainstorm room and, uh, make up some weird stuff with wizards and dragons and everyone has a great time. So I don't know if you've ever played dungeon world, but it's so much fun.
0: No, I haven't. I've heard good things about it, but I have not ever had a chance to try it, but I, I love the idea of making it more about storytelling and less about, you know, sort of, uh, stats and, and procedures for fighting.
2: Yeah. And the bit, I mean, the big mechanic that it all sort of boils down to is like, you can sort of choose and it depends on your game after, but like, um, you can sort of choose whatever it is you want to do. You can say, Hey, I'm going to, all right, there's this dragon attacking this guy. All right. I'm going to shoot this arrow at him. I'm going to aim for his right eye. And then you roll one D eight. Um, or what is it? I oh, know it's two D five, I believe. And, um, or maybe two no, it's two D six, two D six. Got it. Um, And basically, if it's, I believe, uh, 10 and up, it it works completely how you envisioned it, and then some. If it's 7 to 10, it works, but something happens along the way that doesn't go quite as planned. And if it's below 7, that means it doesn't work and something really bad happens. So it's basically, Hmm. come up with anything, and then you sort of see what happens. And then, of course, there are, you know, you have your stat sheets, you have your characters that have sort of, um, your strength, your modify, all that stuff, but it really, it, it, you, you don't have to worry about knowing that stuff as much as. Great, what's the thing you want to do? So it's it's caused cool. some of the most fun campaigns um, that I don't think I've laughed harder. You know, it's like kind of laughing <laughs> playing RPGs where like it hurts and you want everyone to stop because you're laughing so hard. So yeah, definitely if you're trying to, if you want to get into RPGs and you're daunted by all of the stats with D and D. Even though 5th edition has sort of dialed it down a little bit from that, um, Dungeon World is a great entrance into that.
0: Awesome. So just to recap, again, that's Dungeon World, and then we also talked about Pandemic, Puerto Rico, and Spice uh, Space Cadets Dice Duel. Spicer right, Cadet. Guys. Yeah, yeah. Sp- Spicer Cadet. That's a, I think you have a little Spicer Cadet that you've been taking care of. Um, yeah. You just were born um all right guys that's gonna do it for this episode of dlc we do have our parting gift coming up uh but i do need to thank uh, jd amato this was awesome
2: having you on man really really fun this was a blast thank you guys for having me i love talking about this stuff with you guys
0: yeah so super cool where can people keep up with you during the week
2: um check me out on twitter at jd amato J D A M A T O. Um, you can also check me out on Tumblr. I believe I'm just dreaming And also, uh, just keep your eye on the Chris Gethard show. It's, uh, coming to the fusion network, um, in a week. Um, so if you don't have fusion, check out online, everything will be available. Um, but that is our new show. So, uh, if you're interested, check that out. Hopefully you guys would like it. Super cool. Christian, yeah. what's going on with you?
1: oh sleep um getting a little bit of sleep if you're in la a friend uh she's done i've done numerous comic shows with her she's great emily maya mills is recording her debut comedy album at 8 p.m at ucb and if you're in town i highly recommend going she's fantastic and i think you'll really enjoy it emily maya mills album recording the 21st at ucb franklin at 8 p.m cool man yeah
0: Uh, I've got my uh, usual plugs to give you, Slash Filmcast. We're doing our Mad Max review tonight, so that should be up either tonight or tomorrow. And that's at SlashFilm.com. Also, We Have Concerns. WeHaveConcerns.com is a comedy science show. Uh, I bet you'll like it. It's only 20-minute episodes. Give it a shot at WeHaveConcerns.com. Also, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Canada. That's spelled with two
2: N's and one T. Oh, also, I have to I have to throw it in there, or else my podcasting partner would be angry at me. Is if you're interested in long form conversational podcasts, uh, feel free to tune into 12 hour a day with J.D. and Connor. It's a podcast where every episode is an unbroken 12 hour conversation. So Whoa, if that feels really? if that if that feels like something you'd be into. Uh, that's what we do. If you have a long job or a tough commute, or you just need to hear voices in the background, it's just my friend Connor and I. We sit down. We're both Queens in New York, and there's, it's, there's no bits or segments or comments. We just sort of talk with each other for 12 hours straight every episode.
0: How the hell do you have time for that?
2: We barely do. We, we try to do an episode <laughs> once every other month, um, but it's wow. been really fun, and we've sort of built a fun community around it. So if, if you like long conversational podcasts, which if you're, if you're this far into DLC, you probably do, um, <laughs> I yeah. feel like you might like awesome.
0: that. Cool, guys. Let's get to our parting gift. Hey,
2: give us a suggestion.
0: JD, do you have a gift to give the folks, get them through the week?
2: Yes. um, If you are in New York, you should go see the magician at the Nomad Hotel in New York. Um, It is Dan White, who is one of the best magicians around. He is a genius. He's one of the guys that, um, even if you haven't seen him, you have probably seen his work because he's one of the best behind-the-scenes magic guys that helps create tricks for some of the best magicians you know. But he's got a show in New York right now. Um, at the Nomad Hotel, and if you're in New York, near New York, it is a great time. You should go check it out. If not, just look up uh, Dan White online. Dan White. Awesome. Yeah. How about you, Christian?
1: Taylor Swift's Bad Blood music video. Um, you can hate on Taylor Swift all you want. That's fine. You can roll yeah, your right, eyes. I
0: hate, 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 hate.
1: And they're nice. Well done. Um, You can roll your eyes at it. But I love stuff like this. The epic movie style, high budget, high concept music video. Those usually come from pop. Um, Michael, we all will roll our eyes at Taylor Swift, but swear by Michael Jackson's thriller. Same thing. Same thing. Michael Jackson, really, really popular. He did an awesome thriller video. Amazing. Taylor Swift's video, not thriller revolutionary. The first major long form video. But super entertaining, well worth watching, and let's be honest, we all really like Taylor Swift because we might hate her as a person, but her music's pretty catchy. Taylor Swift, Bad Blood. She
2: might—I think I like her as a person too. I don't know. <laughs> well, you are—you <laughs> you,
1: you are, uh, are in New York, her new hometown, so I'm sure you guys bond over everyday New York things.
2: Yeah, as usual, we all meet up in New York and hang out, and then everyone <laughs> goes back to their jobs. <laughs>
0: Well, like JD, I also have a live uh, recommendation. Everybody knows that my favorite stand-up comedian is Christian Spicer. But I think I might have a new second favorite stand-up comedian. Because uh, I, w- I went and saw some stand-up comedy this week, and uh, which is something I don't do enough. I love seeing live stand-up. But I saw this guy, Drew Lynch, and he blew me away. Are you guys aware of this guy, Drew Lynch? Do you know him? I don't yes,
2: think I know true. Drew Lynch. You do know him.
0: He is a young young guy who, when he was twenty, um, was playing softball and had this horrible accident where he got hit in the throat by a softball and uh, has an, a debilitating speech impediment. And yet, he's a stand-up comic, and he's friggin' funny. I was blown away by this guy. Uh, just first of all, like the the courage, and the, it's super inspiring to see somebody do the thing that their their handicap is directly preventing them from doing, you know, in front of people, in front of people who are often mean to them. Uh it's, it's just inspiring and awesome. So that would I would be I would admire him that would be enough for me to just admire him. But then he's also really funny. Like legit funny and it watching him, watching a guy with a massive stutter deliver a joke is such a lesson in rhythm because comedy, as you guys know, is rhythm. And to see how he deals with his stutter but actually makes it an asset to where you want the punchline to come out and then it comes out and it's not what you expected it to be and you had to wait for it so much longer because he was struggling to get it out, I'm so impressed. Again, this guy's name is Drew Lynch. You can find him on YouTube. Well, you'll but find I, him I saw him live
1: hmm? on America's Got Talent this year.
0: Oh really? Oh I didn't know that. That's great. Um yeah, so you you've you've seen him too, right, Christian?
1: Yep, yep, yep. I know them yep. I know him well.
0: He's uh I just was floored uh, laughing and cheering at the same time because of just like man, awesome. People are awesome sometimes,
2: you know? People are awesome. People <laughs> are awesome.
0: Yeah, I love it. Uh, all right, guys, that's it for DLC this week. You can see us again, hear us again uh, next week at 11 a.m. Pacific time. On Mondays, we are here delivering it to you. We're gearing up for E3, so get excited because we are, too. We're going to probably be doing daily E3 episodes so uh, as we did last year, so get excited for that. Uh, Got to thank JD Amato, Christian Spicer, the folks at 5x5, all of our friends in the chat room who have contributed to the show uh, lo- we love it even if we make fun of you a little bit we love it love you hanging out with us and all of you who've downloaded the show please tell a friend or take a second and rate us on iTunes that helps too get the word out we appreciate it until next week think about what you put out into the world make it a better place